Welcome to Sacred Leadership. I am Sacred Tassias, leadership coach, author, medicine woman, and entrepreneur. And you found the podcast where conscious leaders discuss and explore topics around modern business, ancient wisdom and spirituality, personal development, and success strategies to help you bring more depth to your leadership and create the life and business of your dreams while serving humanity and the earth. Today's guest is someone that as soon as I started following on social media, I knew I had to bring into the show. John Romanello is an author, angel investor, media personality, and consultant who helps entrepreneurs improve communication skills and increase revenue through storytelling and writing. Now, you guys, I have been learning about the importance and the power of really mastering the art of storytelling, and I've been getting very curious to know more and really master this skill. So I was super, super excited when John said yes to be in the podcast so that I could share this with you all and learn about it myself. And in this episode, we spoke about all things writing and storytelling from why is it important? How can it help you? Not just to grow your brand and to get your message out there, but also on a personal level. We speak about the correlation between storytelling and inner work so about storytelling applied to inner work we speak about finding your unique writing voice and so much more i love this episode and i hope you get as much value as i did from it keep on listening as we dive right into it john thank you so much for making the time to be here on sacred leadership today and yeah share your wisdom and your expertise with my listeners Thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. Such a pleasure. And I'm so excited to have you on the show because ever since I found you on social media, I have gotten a lot of value out of the content that you share around storytelling and finding your voice as a writer and such. And on your Instagram bio, you say you teach people to write like it matters. Mm -hmm. And given that I'm someone that has been obsessed over writing ever since I learned how to back in primary school days and someone who now uses writing to connect with, teach and support people. I'm super interested in the art of storytelling and writing like it matters. And I know the vast majority of my listeners will be too. It is such a great skill to develop. So firstly, I'd love for you to tell us more about who you are and what led you to be so passionate about writing that you made it your career. Sure. Wow. Well, who are any of us? <laughs> but I thought of this question. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's very deep. Um, an abridged, an abridged bio. Uh, I am an author, a New York Times bestselling author. If we want the accolades to precede us, which is uh, an accomplishment of which you know I'm understandably proud, but really it it just is emblematic of the message that I spread, which is it's really important to find a way to take whatever you're going to say and, and find a way to say it in the way that is most resonant with your audience. When I got started in my writing career, which was in the fitness space, it was less about the information I was sharing and more about the presentation of that information. And that is what always helped me to stand out. And that's what I help people to do now. In coaching and any service-based industry, 
we're all drawing water from the same well, which is to say that so much of what we teach is not unique to us. It is very much information that is shared by our contemporaries. In fitness, anyone can teach you fasting. Anyone can teach you how to do the, the sets and reps. And in the coaching space, when you're doing business coaching, people can teach you marketing and how to build funnels. But successful businesses are built on connection and so are successful relationships. And learning how to present information that is similar to other people in a way that is entirely unique to you, that is what matters. And for so long, I was focusing on teaching people to do that through writing. And now uh, it's more so through storytelling. I prefer the written word to anything else, but the strategies that I focus on and the things that I think people need to learn are universal and they work just as well through something, a medium like this, through podcasting and audio information, as well as through video and of course through the written word. And I, I have been doing this now for, writing has been an important part of my life since I was uh, eight years old. And now mm -hmm. nearly 30 years later, it's really exciting to be able to use it to, to help people in all sorts of uh, environments. Yes, thank you. And as I mentioned in your introduction, that's, what you do, you help entrepreneurs improve their communication skills and increase their revenue through this art of storytelling and writing. And I think many of us have heard of the power of storytelling, but I have a feeling that you will be able to enlighten us around the topic even more. So why is storytelling so powerful? And let's say, what are some of your hot tips to get started with mastering this art? Well, storytelling is how we learn. Before anything, before there was advertising, before there was marketing, you know, all, all great ideas were sold and transmitted and transmuted with the same six words. Let me tell you a story. And when we look at any spiritual tradition, any religious tradition, all of the, the primary aspects of the messaging are passed down through the story itself. And that is, that's really how we learn. And the reason for this is this is how our brains work. I, I teach a lot about Joseph Campbell and the monomyth or hero's journey. And this is a universal model for storytelling. But it's universal not because, well, this is the way we tell stories because that's just how stories are told. It's universal because this is the way that independent of one another, all of these various cultures and civilizations have found that, you know, it, it appears across these civilizations because that's how it, our human brain works. It's how we process information. It's how we synthesize and break down what's going on around us. And it's how we process change on an emotional and psychological level. And these things have been borne out in a lot of the data. So whether you're looking to tell stories from marketing or connection or in relationships, we tell stories this way. We follow this model, not simply because, you know, it's a, it's a good way for transmitting information in a memorable way, but because it's a good way of transmitting feeling in a memorable way. And that is, it's a really exciting, uh, it's, it's impactful. It's how our brains work. As far as storytelling tips, the best thing is to find the place where you and the listener connect and start there. And we can, we can go into all of this, but I really want to drive home that everyone is a storyteller. Everyone has a story to tell. And one of the things I always harp on when I teach my storytelling workshops, or when I'm working with clients, or even just when I'm transmitting my content, is people want stories and you have stories to tell. And a great, a great way to think mm -hmm. of it is 
Whenever anyone asks you a question, they're not just asking for a fact. They're asking for a story. And so the big thing I always tell people is we have three stories that we tell all the time over and over and over. Whenever you meet someone, you tell these same three stories. When you are at a wedding and you're at a table with a bunch of strangers, you will wind up telling these three stories. When you are on a podcast, you will tell these three stories more or less. And those, the stories are the answers to these three questions. Everyone will be asked these questions probably today. And it's, where are you from? What do you do? And how did you meet your either business partner or romantic partner or someone important in your life. Where are you from? What do you do? How did you meet? You will be asked these questions at some point this week. And this is a perfect opportunity for us to practice storytelling. Because when someone asks you where you're from, they're not just asking the place that you were born. What they're really asking is, how did you get from that place to where you are now? And more importantly, how did you get from that place to where you are here in this conversation? What are you doing here? How'd you get here? When someone asks, what do you do? They're not just asking, what is the thing that takes up eight hours of your day so that you could make money? They're really asking, how did you come to be doing that thing? Why did you make those choices? How does it fulfill you? That's what people really want to know. And then when I ask you, how did you meet your significant other? I don't love that term, but your romantic partner. How did you, how did you meet your business partner? They really want to know how did these two souls come together in some sort of cosmic crash that played out in the way that they decided to do life together or, or have a romance or create a business. People want to know those things. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's all encapsulated in that simple question. Where are you from? What do you do? Mm, I love this. And I was just thinking how there's definitely, as you said, everyone tells stories. Everyone has a story. Everyone has many stories to tell. And yet I know there are people that get stuck in the belief that their stories aren't good enough or incredible enough or interesting enough. So for those listening that may be stuck in that, in that thought pattern of like, well, my stories aren't as epic as those who go climb volcanoes and go have, you know, like all these incredible experiences and go do ayahuasca ceremonies and go do whatever that is. Mm -hmm. um, how can someone find the magic in their story, regardless of how um, mundane couldn't be the word, but yes, maybe just no, that is, that's exactly regular. Right. That's exactly the right word. One of the things I say to my, my, listeners, my clients, my audience all the time is the magic is in the mundanity. The goal of real mm -hmm. storytelling is to make the everyday truly magical. Because when you can do that, that's when you can connect, right? But storytelling is about connection. It really is. And that means it's about relatability. And so when people are telling stories about climbing volcanoes, that's not particularly relatable. But what is relatable is the fear of climbing the volcano. Everyone has been afraid. And so when you look at the great stories, when you look at King Arthur, very, very few of us are kings. Very few people in the history of mankind have been kings. When you look at Harry Potter, very few of us grew up under the stairs and then on our 11th birthday received a letter from a school of witchcraft and wizardry telling us that we, you know, everything we'd known about ourselves had been a lie. But we have all longed for more. We have all felt trapped in our circumstances, felt like we were 
under the stairs. Very few of us are good-looking English spies who assassinate people or kill people or, or do espionage under Her Majesty's orders and, you know, like James Bond. But when we watch Harry Potter, we see ourselves in Harry. When we watch James Bond, we see ourselves in James. Very few of us have been ripped from our homeland and brought across the world by a tornado. But when we watch The Wizard of Oz, we see ourselves in Dorothy Gale. Relatability and connection are what allow us to put ourselves inside these characters and experience the story. And it's not their circumstances that make them their relatable. In fact, those circumstances to almost anyone are wildly unrelatable. But it's the emotion that they feel that we are able to feel alongside them. The emotion that is transmitted through good storytelling, that's what allows it to be relatable and feel familiar. And that's what allows that connection between us, the audience, and the hero on screen or on the page. That's what's a, what allows us to feel truly connected to them. And that's what we really need to be focusing on. Because when you, in your day-to-day, are experiencing an emotion like fear, like anxiety, like trepidation, like joy, like love, you can find a way to present that in your content or to your audience that, that helps create that feeling of relatability because you felt that too. Because the emotions, whether it is being afraid that a dark wizard who killed your parents is going to resurrect himself and assassinate you, or <laughs> whether it is, I don't know if I'll be able to pay my bills today, those are the same. The fear, the emotion is the same. It lives in the same place in your body. And we can help people feel that. And that's where the connection is. That's why those stories are important. It doesn't matter how exciting or, quote, boring your life is. The magic is in the mundanity. And that is why you need to learn storytelling. That is, that is where the magic is. That's the power. It's the ability to make those small moments big and the big moments small. Mm. What I'm hearing also is to go with emotion first, right? To, to find, I imagine trying to find the magic in those moments will make your life itself so much more magical as well. Not just your writing skills will improve, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I remember in one of your videos, you speak about storytelling applied to inner work mm -hmm. and the difference between integration and reintegration. And I found that concept very interesting to, to really see the correlation and how one thing applies to the other. So can you please share this concept with us a little more? Absolutely. Within the context of the hero's journey, when the hero goes on this grand adventure, which takes them to a different place geographically, but certainly requires them to undergo great stress physically, emotionally, psychologically, that transforms and transmutes them. And they come out of that journey a different person. And the lessons they learn along the way, the lessons you learn along the way in any sort of transformation, you have to integrate those into yourself. You have to sit with those lessons and learn them and really see, what am I learning from this experience, from this hardship? If I, if I went through a spiritual awakening, if I haven't achieved a new level of consciousness, what did I actually learn during the process of that? And how can I use it in my day-to-day -day going forward? That's integration. That is taking the things you have personally experienced and now incorporating them into the way that you do life. 
But reintegration is very different. During the course of the hero's journey, the hero is not at home. They are not in the Shire or in Kansas or, you know, they have to go out into the world, into the special world, away from the ordinary world to, to find these things, these treasures, both external and internal. But at some point you need to come back home and returning home, that's reintegration because now you're a new person. Now the person who has undergone that quest has to come and go back home. And anyone who is like, this is it, it, the most simple experience of this, by the way, is when you go away to college for the first time, when you go away to university mm. and you're gone for a semester and you have, you experience massive growth in the period of, of just three or four months. And then you come back home for the first time and you see your family. You have been away at university on your own to some degree. You know, you've been living by your own rules. You've been having your own experiences. And now you come back and the world that you left behind hasn't changed. Your parents still expect you to listen to them. They expect you to obey a curfew. And there is friction there. There's a lot of tension between the old world and the new you. And so reintegrating is now you have to return back to the ordinary world and figure out how does this new person operate within this without backsliding. And anyone who has done any inner work, anyone who has worked on themselves or who, you know, we all know what it's like to go home for the holidays, you know, whether it's, it's the Christmas holiday or Thanksgiving or whatever it is you celebrate. And that feeling of being pulled backwards, of regression of going back into your old self, your adolescent self, and interacting with your parents the same way you did when you were a teenager. And the same thing happens when you go through some sort of big spiritual transformation, and now you go and spend time with your friends who knew you before that. Or you go through a physical transformation, you undergo some sort of big fitness or physical transformation, and now you, you've done that within the safe container of you know, coaching, or you build a business within the container of a mastermind, and now you hang out with your, quote, regular friends, and they don't understand it. And you have to learn how to re-navigate a space that was once very familiar. It was once your everyday situation, but now it is wildly unfamiliar to you. And there's all these new landmines. And so the reintegration comes when you, the new person, are going back into a place that has not changed. And that makes it unfamiliar. And it can be very jarring to go to the place that you grew up the town where you grew up, which, which once felt like home, and it's very jarring when it feels wildly unfamiliar because what's changed is not the place, it's you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that came up as you were saying that is I imagine the more, in order to be a very good storyteller, we must develop a great sense of self-awareness, right? Because the more we go through these processes and are aware to to understand our own stories, we're more become more able to tell the stories. So I know that recently you went and did a, an ayahuasca ceremony with your partner, Amanda. Um, and I'm curious to know, do you find that the more inner work you do, the more you work on yourself and get to understand yourself, the more your abilities to storytell um, grow? That is such a great, no one's ever asked me that, but yes, yes, absolutely. Because it gives me a new perspective. The, the mm -hmm. more inner work I do and the more I begin to see myself and 
look at my old self as a, as a character because I, you know, I've dissociated from the person I used to be and now I'm a new person. Uh, the more yes. I can see how that character played a role in the drama unfolding around him rather than viewing it ex- exclusively through my own eyes. And it also gives me a completely different understanding of how different people might be at certain places in their journey. And I, and I look at the hero's journey itself and all of these things that I used to teach storytelling from a, a more awakened perspective. And yes. it's changed the way that I teach storytelling. It's changed the way that I approach it. And it really, it's mostly helped me see the opposite side of the coin. And instead of looking at in my own in my own life, I'm a coach and a mentor, and I teach entrepreneur storytelling, and uh, I'm also an author. And so sometimes I meet with people, and I I offer a service that I know will help them. They want to write a book, they want to make the book a bestseller, and that is something that I can help them with. But now, having done all this inner work on myself, I look at people, and I now have a greater sense of where maybe they are in their own inner journey and I can see how their ego is reacting to me. And while Mm -hmm. I would have once thought, well, this is the meaning of the mentor stage, they should be filled with hope and relief that this person has shown up. Instead, they're filled with anger and resentment because there's a person who's just a few steps ahead of them. And so that can happen a lot. And it's given me this, this understanding of how our shadow can come out at the worst times. And it's, it's definitely changed the way I approach storytelling. And it certainly made me a better storyteller because I, I have a, a more textured understanding of the landscape of the emotionality of the audience. Mm, mm, super interesting. I love this. And in one of your latest posts, you were talking about finding your quote unquote writing voice mm. and I was going to say something like in a world where so many people are just copying other people's quotes and typically editing other people's works to make it their own. But I love how you said it at the beginning was a lot more compassionate. You just talked about recycling information and sharing the same concepts, but coming to referring to um, the, the world that we live in right now, especially in the, especially in the personal development industry, sometimes it feels like there's almost a lingo or a way of putting concepts together that most people just follow. And because it can be very inauthentic, in my opinion, it gets deeply, deeply boring and it loses the ability to bring the message across with potency because, and this is just my two cents on this and the science to back this up, but my intuition is pretty on it. It loses potency because people just don't take it as seriously or pay as much attention because it just sounds like almost everyone else's posts or everyone else's shares. So in order to show up more authentically and stand out more and even almost like take a risk to say things differently, to do things differently, how can we find our own unique writing voice? How can we own that? That is a process that takes quite a while. But to your point, as I mentioned in my post, our, our voice, our authentic voice is a combination of a host of factors. There's our environment, meaning the place that we grew up. And so I grew up here in the States and 
uh, I, I grew up in New York. And so my mannerisms, my, my uh, vocal mannerisms and my idiomatic phraseology yeah. is pretty consistent with having grown up there. But I also had a lot of exposure as an academic to higher level thinking. And so while the base material of my, of my environment might have once upon a time made me sound like an Italian guy from Queens, it, my voice mm -hmm. has matured. And so that's just my speaking voice, but your, your writing voice is the same. And so the more experience, exposure, and environmental changes you undergo, that gives you more and more material to push through the lens of ever-growing expertise. And so those are the four components, environment, exposure, experience, and expertise. I'm big on alliteration. Mm -hmm. And the, the main thing is you have to constantly be trying to find a way to say something that is unique to you. As I mentioned, there are only so many concepts, right? Um, there's a, a great term that originally comes from the Bible. It's Latin. It's nihil nove sub sole, which means um, or nihil novum sub sole, which means there's nothing new under the sun. And in a very real way, like all of the major philosophical and, and conscious-based ideas that, you know, that humans are capable of processing at this point in time based on our understanding of uh, quantum science have, have probably been discovered and expressed. Um, yeah. And so if you, there's really two ways to be totally unique. One is to say something only you can say or to say something a way only you can say it. Because most of us are not working with completely unique material, because we all have access mm -hmm. to these concepts, we have to focus on saying them in a way that only we can say them. And so what more people should be focusing on is not just reposting quotes, it's how do I take this idea that maybe has been said a hundred times before, but how do I push it through the lens of my personal discovery of that idea? How did I come upon this concept? How can I tell the story of, of what that concept means to me? And that is all about using your specific writing voice and the experiences you've had, the places that you've been to, and, and of course, the actual story itself to discuss that concept. And it takes a while to really hone in on your writing voice and make it sound completely unique to you. But so much of it is about telling, you know, start with the storytelling and let the writing follow. Yeah. I love that. I really love that. It really lands for me. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of, a lot of tools here for people that are wanting to understand um, the storytelling art and really why is it important, which is basically what I really wanted to talk about mm -hmm. because I've been hearing about it and reading about it, but only just recently I started to discover how important and how powerful mastering this art really is. Um, so I guess just as a last, I have a few questions that I want to ask you, but um, what would you say for someone that wants to get started today, someone that wants to get past their fear of putting something out there, writing a story, starting the book, starting storytelling. What's your one piece of advice for someone that wants to get out there in the world and own their story, own their voice, own their style, and they may not feel prepared? 
But I would say... I know it's a tricky question. No, it is. It is. Because everyone's fear comes from something else, right? People who are, quote, afraid, we're afraid of different things. Some people are afraid of judgment, that their story itself might be judged, Some, you know, that, that they as a person might be judged. Other people are afraid they won't be good at it. And so that's a completely different fear entirely. And, and that would mm-hmm. require a different approach. Some people fear they're not original enough. Other people are afraid of success. You know, they, they, they don't want it because they feel they don't deserve it, even though they think they could achieve it. Everyone's afraid of something different. So what I would suggest is sit with that. That's the advice. Figure out what you're afraid of. Joseph Campbell mm. said, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. So really sit and ask yourself, sit with your fear, ask yourself, what am I afraid of? And what is underneath that? What is the wound that is keeping me here? And then you slowly start to share the story of that wound. Now, it might be really scary Mm. to share, but you can share the stuff around it. And there is a lot of degradation. Everyone, no one who's ever been completely authentic, no one who has ever shared the scariest things about their life started out of the gate sharing those things. When I began to talk about all of the the traumas in my childhood, I didn't come right out and tell them first. You know, it was, well, you know, I, I didn't share initially that I had begun working out in my bedroom because I was trying to find a way to be safe in my own body. I talked about how I wanted to just be bigger and stronger and look like the characters in the comic books I read. I, I didn't talk about how my deep insecurity around women um, had to do with my fear of other men because I had been sexually abused as a child. I talked about how I wanted to, you know, like learn how to, to be more competent or confident sexually. And so you begin with the surface level of the thing. And then over time, you're able to wear down the resistance by slowly putting something out and realizing nothing bad happened. You have evidence now. You can put out a piece of content about wanting to do something or trying to do something. And slowly, by seeing that there are no no consequences, no punishments for sharing that thing, then you can go a little bit deeper. And so I would say, start by figuring out what the fear is. Start by finding the absolute scariest thing you'd ever think of sharing and then dial that back about 10 steps and start there. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Thank you. And there's two more questions I want to ask you, John. Firstly, being, first being, where can people find you and how can people work with you? Ah, that is a very great question. I am very findable on the internet. I am most active on Instagram. My handle is at mm-hmm. John Romanello. So all of my all of my social medias are just my name, including my website. I am very. Yes, I'll share all of these in the show notes. As thank well. you so much. Uh, as far as working with me, I have a few different programs available. Mostly, what I'm doing right now is traveling the world, teaching storytelling workshops. And if people want to attend those, I am posting updates on my site and on my Instagram as to where we're going. As of this recording, which is on February 25th. Um, my next workshop is in Austin this Friday. So I'll be in Austin, Texas. So by the time this airs, by the time you listen to this, you will not be able to attend. But then after that, there's 
one in Toronto, then Boston, uh, Kuwait City, Kuwait, then London. And I'm looking to put an Australian tour on the calendar uh, probably Amazing. in October and November of, of next year. And between now and then, it's going to be a lot of bouncing around U.S. cities. There'll be one in Orlando. There'll be a couple in New York. So if you want to come to one of those, it is probably the easiest way to get the most out of what I do for the least money. The, the, depending on where we're hosting, the workshops are very, very reasonably priced. And um, it's really an exciting thing to do. I also do those one-on-one. It's higher level. It really de- delves more into inner work and personal storytelling rather than content-based storytelling. And I do those for uh, some high-level people, CEOs. I've worked with people from Boss Babe. I've worked with some very, very high-level women CEOs. And other than that, we've got some courses upcoming. One is called Once Upon a Sale. It's storytelling for sales. And then I also, you know, have business coaching and business mentorship for people who are looking to really take control of their brand in a way that gives it longevity and not just how do we make more sales tomorrow, but how do we create a brand message that is still around 10 years from now? Yes. Awesome. I love that. And I'll definitely ask you more information around all of the services. And hopefully I'll be here when you do the Australian tour. And the last question I want to ask Mm -hmm. you, last but not least, is in your opinion, what makes leadership sacred? The, The easy answer, I think, is that there's a selflessness to it, to, you know, you know, to service. Um, but I think that when you start doing a lot of inner work, you, you can also see that there is the idea of putting people first. And, uh, you know, we, we really, we laud that and we, we prize that. And I think that there's something that there's danger to that where we can put ourselves last and, and we can get burnt out. And so I like to, to invert that and go from the other direction. The thing that makes anything sacred is an understanding that in serving other people, you're also serving yourself. And that isn't a bad thing. If you get joy from leadership, if you get joy from, from guiding people toward their truth, then just because it is really great for you doesn't mean it's not also great for other people. I think that is, mm. that's something that as we elevate, thank you. As we elevate consciousness, it's going to be really important for people to see that there isn't a binary, that it is a Venn diagram and sitting in the middle of the things that are great for other people and what brings you absolute joy, that is where you can lead. And there's, not, there's nothing wrong. Like I love, I truly love more than anything else, being at the front of the room, teaching people. And it's okay that my ego is getting a ton out of it. That doesn't make it bad or wrong. What it means is that I'm just going to keep getting better at it because it brings me joy, satisfaction, validation. And in getting better at it, it allows me to keep serving people in a deeper and and more impactful way. And so what I think it makes leadership sacred is for the people who consider, and I think everyone is a leader. Everyone will lead somewhere in their lives. It doesn't need to be like leading the army. It doesn't mean having a big internet presence. It can just be like a leader in your own life as an individual. It could mean leading your family. But for the people who are trying to be really conscious, sacred leaders for a movement of some kind, there needs to be an acceptance that you getting joy and validation and and peace out of it is what's going to allow you to powerfully spread your message. And so the thing that makes it sacred is finding the thing 
that satisfies you as it serves other people, that's what allows the world to, to really move forward. Mm, I love this answer. Yes, I love this. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for your tips and um, advice. Thank you for making the time to be here and for everything that you do. I see the work that you're doing and how you want to bring a more conscious, honest, authentic way um, in everything that you do. And I really appreciate that. So thank you once again for making the time to be here in Sacred Leadership. Thank you so much for having me and for those kind words. Thank you to everyone listening. It's truly an honor to be able to share this information with you. Uh, I look forward to connecting with all of you. Thank you so much, truly. It's really, really great to be here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you loved it, please be sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, since this really supports our mission of helping as many people as possible to bring conscious leadership forward for the greatest benefit of our world. I truly appreciate your support and contribution. We will be recording many episodes answering directly some of your questions. So head to my website, secretasias.com, if you'd like to send us one. Also, I release free inspirational content every day on Instagram. So if we aren't already connected, be sure to join the tribe there. Thanks again for taking the time of your day to listen to my podcast. And I can't wait to share with you on the next episode. Lots of love.